0: You could start to hear the noise of, of crickets, of bugs, of animals coming out. This, uh, this trip to northern Costa Rica, this mission trip, had been it had been really long, it had been hard, but it was also really good. So Chrissy and I, we walk through and we go to the room of another team member to talk about the next day to make plans for that, and then we hear it. We hear a sound. This squeaking, high pitched sound. We are not alone. We hear some fluttering, and then it flies by us. It's a bat. Christy instinctively panics and goes and hides in the bathroom. And um, we don't have any windows in the room, so we can't open that. Open the door. That doesn't seem to be working. And so then instantly, my amazing survival instincts kick in. My brain hatches a plan. I love the plan. I know that this plan is going to work. I go over to my friend, who happens to have one leg, and I tell him my plan. But I don't want to reveal the plan quite yet to the bat, because I just don't want this bat to see it coming. And after a moment... I reveal it. I have my friend's crutch in my hands. But there is more to my plan than just that, and we will be coming back to that later. So I invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians 3. Fun stuff. Ephesians 3. Uh, yeah. So, Ephesians 3. Starting in verse 1, it says, For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. And then right there, if you see this dash after that, this this is like Paul, he's interrupting himself. He he was about to to start to pray, and then now he's basically interrupting himself, and he does pick up in that prayer later on in verse 14. But he goes on to explain this, and he says, uh, Assuming, verse 2, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace, ...that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to, to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. And so, first observation, first point is, there's a great mystery, right? So, there's this mystery... And and when when Paul mentions mystery, this is what comes to my mind. I kind of think of, okay, hey, this is something that needs to be solved, something that needs to be figured out. Kind of like a Sherlock Holmes thing. You know, I I follow the clues, and if I'm smart enough, clever enough, I figure it out. I I solve the puzzle. Um, But this isn't really what Paul means here. This actually isn't a mystery that even Paul himself figured out. Because... It was something that actually God revealed to him. Right? I and mean, it just says that God revealed this to me. And, and and this 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 mystery is something that was hidden. It was just something that was not made known. And now God, because of of, of Jesus, he's revealing this mystery. And what is the mystery? Well, let's look in verse 6. It says, This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. Members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And so last week, Mo did a great job uh, of talking about this mystery because it talks about this at the end of chapter 2. And it's this, that Jews and Gentiles, people that are Jews and people that basically aren't Jews, are becoming the church. God is bringing all of these people to one new people. People of... Of different ethnicities, different economic status, different backgrounds, and they all become one people that fully inherit the promises of God together as equals, one new body, and this is the church. And so that that is this mystery that that God has revealed, and He's revealed this um, to Paul, and He's the one that it does proclaiming this. And so, how did this happen? How did this mystery come about at the end of verse 6? It says, through the gospel. That is how God brought all these different people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities together, is through the gospel. Okay, and so we're all sinners. We, we've all fallen short. We've all messed up. We've all sinned against a holy and just God, and, and we deserve Punishment. We deserve death. Wages of sin is death. But in chapter 2 it says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love for us, He died in our place, He paid the price for our sin, and He made us alive together in Christ. That's the gospel. I mean, this is, this is by the grace of God, something that I didn't deserve, can't earn it, I didn't clean myself up to get it, This unmerited favor of God has come to us, and we are saved. We, to Him, because of His life, His death, His resurrection. And so we're saved to God, but we're also saved to this family of God, the church. This new people that God has brought to Himself. And so this is the mystery that Paul is talking about. But you know what isn't a mystery? I mean it's not really a mystery if being good enough earns our way to God. Right? I mean think of pretty much everywhere in your life. If you want something, you have to earn it. You have to prove yourself, you have to be good enough. And and that makes sense. Right? I mean even even with God. Hey, how am I going to get up there to heaven to be with God while I'm here on earth? I'm going to meet the standard. I'm going to get the checks I'm going to do everything that I'm supposed to do, jump through the right hoops, and if I'm good enough, I get in. I get to heaven. Right? That, that, that makes sense. But the cross of Jesus Christ, the gospel, really doesn't fully always make sense. It doesn't seem logical. It doesn't really always seem, seem wise. I mean, think about it. Everything that we have in our life is, is kind of based off this cause and effect I do something, and then it has an effect, and that's what happens, right? So if I walk on slippery ice, the effect is I fall on my bone, right? And if, if I am good, then the effect should be that, hey, I get God, right? But we've all sinned against this holy, good, just God, and that deserves death. That really deserves this eternal relational separation from God, hell. And yet, for those of us who who believe in Jesus Christ, that's not what we get. We get God. We get eternal life with Jesus. And see, the mystery of the gospel is that Jesus took the effect of our sin. We sinned, but Jesus got the death that we should have gotten. We should have gotten the wrath of a holy and just God, but Jesus satisfied. And Jesus, the man who knew no sin, who lived perfectly, we get that effect. We get to be credited with the righteousness of God because of Jesus. We get eternal life with him, and we get to stand before a holy and just God, knowing that, hey, yeah, we are guilty, but because of Jesus, he declares us, no, you're not guilty, and I'm also giving you the righteousness of Christ. That's a mystery. Right? The, the crucifixion, the cross of Christ, it doesn't make sense to the world. That doesn't seem wise. That doesn't actually even seem powerful that you, having all power in yourself, would actually die for people that rebel against you. That doesn't make sense. But it is God's power. It is God's wisdom that he has shown. And through Jesus, we're saved to this relationship with God. But we're also saved to this family that is united together. In Christ. That's this, this mystery that God has revealed. But there's more to God's plan. And so, this mystery, there is this great mystery, but this mystery has a mission. And that's the second point. Second observation is the mystery has a mission. So, look at verse 7. So, it says, Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Which was given to me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And so how how is Paul made a minister? I just want to point this out real quick. He's made a minister by God's grace. Paul, it's, This doesn't happen because of how awesome Paul is. Okay, because he knows who he is, right? It, And in the same way, this this is true for any of us. You and I are a minister of the gospel because of God's grace. It's not because of how good we are. It's not because of our qualifications. It's not because you work for a church. It's not because you've been to church for a super long time. None of that. You are a minister of the gospel by God's grace because of what he is doing. And Paul, Paul says that he's the least of all the saints. And he's not talking about like God views him less important than the other saints. That's not what he's talking about. But just Paul knows the grace that God has given them. See, Paul was a persecutor of the church. And so Paul was going around two people, throwing them in jail, maybe even killing some of them because they were following Jesus in the book of Acts There's this man named Stephen that was proclaiming Christ. And Paul is there giving approval as an authority as people are stoning Stephen to death. That is who Paul is. That's who Paul was. But Paul knows, I've been forgiven. And this is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15. He says, this saying is a trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world... To save sinners of whom I'm the foremost. And so Paul is well aware. And God has saved me. So big, so huge. By his grace. By what he's done. And because of that, Paul views himself as a minister of the gospel. As a gift. This isn't something that he has to do. This is something that he gets to do. And he's so grateful for this privilege that he gets to have, and he said, and he so he refers to himself as the least of these. And if you view yourself as the least of these, then you're willing to go to the least of these, right? If, if I'm really nobody without Christ, then I'll go to anybody because of Christ. Nobody is is too little, too low of status. I just want to ask you a question. It, is that how you view yourself? Is you, do you just view yourself as somebody that was totally and utterly in need of the grace of God? They're like, man, Christ came into this world to save sinners, and I'm one of the biggest ones there is. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. Is there anybody that, if you're honest with yourself, that you're, you're kind of hesitant to go and share Jesus with? Because maybe they're just kind of not that important enough to you. Or they're they're two of lowest status. Is there anybody that you just that seems kind of too least, too less, that you're unwilling to go to? And so Paul, being the least of these, he's willing to go to anyone to share Jesus with. And then in verse, verse 8, says this: this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone, okay, I want you to underline that, circle that, highlight everyone, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things, so that through the church, through us, God's united people together that have been brought near in Christ, the church, through the church. The manifold wisdom, that the huge wisdom, the multifaceted wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And so right here, Paul tells us, hey, God has had this mystery that he's revealed, but this mystery has a mission. It's for something. It has a purpose. And in verse 9, he says that. He says, hey, that's to preach to the Gentiles, and it's truly to preach to everyone. To everyone, the unsearchable riches in Christ. And so what is the first part of that mission? It's to show the whole entire world how amazing Jesus is. That's the mission of the church. Hey, let's show everyone who Jesus is. And the second part of the mission is in verse 10. That through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in heaven. So that might sound a little weird, but, but <laughs> what Paul is saying is God, God wants to show who his goodness, his wisdom, not just to everyone that is on earth, all the people, but to actually all the angels and demons in heavenly places. Basically, all of creation, God is wanting to show who he is through his people. And so, angels in heaven, fallen angels that are with Satan and, and his demons. God is saying, I want to show my goodness to them through you. And so angels that that are up with God, they, they see this church, this goofy people that God has brought together himself, and they look at the church and they are in awe of God's wisdom. They praise God for his wisdom. Wow, God, these are the people that you have saved. These are the people that you have brought together by your grace. And then fallen angels, Satan, they look at God's people and then they realize we don't have any of the wisdom compared to God. God is the one who is wise. God is the one who is good. Even though they stand in rebellion against that, they are still seeing God's wisdom through us. And its that they don't just see this wisdom of God through the cross, but they're seeing it through what the cross is creating. Namely, the church, from people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, this new family, church, this is us that God is showing his wisdom, his goodness to through us. In verse 11, it says this. It says that this is the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus. And so this, this has been God's plan from, from eternity past. This has always been his plan. And earlier in Ephesians, it says this, that the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and earth. And Jesus is saying, and I'm going to do this through my people. And so just to sum up this this. the mission of the mystery God has made a new diverse people the church and what has he made it for? So that through his church everyone both visible and is invisible on earth and in heavenly places everyone would see his amazing wisdom and goodness through us. So going back to the story of the bat in my room. And so I grabbed the crutch, and I held it in my hand, but it was not enough for me to just merely reveal the crutch. It was not merely just my plan to show this crutch up in the air to the back. This crutch had a mission, and it had a plan, and that was to handle business. It was to rid this one-star hotel of this bat infestation. It was, I was maybe going to rid the whole country of this bat infestation with this crutch. It had a mission. And I was going to wield this crutch like a Jedi master. <laughs> so I like stars. Um And if you're wondering, hey, Ricky, did you did you do it? Did you take care of business? I'll just say that the bat is... Might have echolocation, but it does not have crutch location. <laughs> All right? So, yeah, of course I took care of business. Two swings, game over. And if you're like, well, he's here a little bad. You know what? That thing could had rabies or something. I'd protect my wife. <laughs> and let's face it, I come to see if I could hit it. But, <laughs> so, yeah, I did handle it, but I had a mission, I had a plan. And this crutch was used for that mission. And in the same way, this is true of God's mission. God's plan is not merely to just make a church, to just reveal his church. But God has a mission and he has a church for that mission. And then his mission is that us, the church, would point to him. And that's his plan, his mission that He would be be displayed through us. And so how do we do this? How do we actually live this mission out that God has called us to and has actually even created us for? How is this accomplished? So two ways. First, by proclamation, by telling others. So look at verse eight. Again, Paul just says this. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light. To everyone what the plan is of the mystery. And so we preach the, the unsearchable riches of Christ. We preach Jesus in 1 Corinthians 1, 22 through 23. It says this. For Jews demand a sign or they demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. This is what our message is about. It's about Jesus. We, we, we don't proclaim good advice. We proclaim good news. We don't. We don't just tell people, "Hey, this is how you can kind of clean yourself up and live and be a good person." No, we're pointing people to a good God. We proclaim the unsearchable, the, these huge, these can't even measure, unfathomable, boundless riches of Christ. And, and these riches of Christ, I mean, they're, this this is like throwing an anchor into the water, and it never reaches the bottom. They're that huge. We can always keep discovering more and more of these riches of Christ. And that's what we're pointing people to. And, and so, what are some of these riches? I mean, first, Jesus' saving riches. We are saved by grace. And I know that we say that a lot, but Paul even keeps repeating it a lot in this passage. Grace. I didn't earn it. It's not because God just just chose me because I had something to offer Him. I'm saved totally by His grace, His doing. I'm forgiven. I'm made new. I'm made right with God and declared to not be guilty, even though I really am. Jesus the man who knew no sin, he became sin for me so that I could become the righteousness of God in him. He has saved me. And we have these relational riches with Christ. He didn't just save me from my sin, but I'm saved to God. I'm adopted into his family. I'm brought near to God. I'm reconciled to God. I am. Get God. If you've trusted in Christ, I mean, do you realize that he is the treasure, he's the prize, you get him. You are his, and he is yours. Brought near to him. You're put into the Father's arms. And we get to share. We get to share this with people. With the people around us of the amazing riches of Christ and what he has done for us. And I just want to let you know, no matter your story, no matter your background, God has done amazing things for you. You have a story that is worth sharing. No matter, I mean, there's things that God has done in your life that is such an encouragement to the people around you because it shows us a different way that God has worked. You have a story and so share that. You don't have to have some seminary degree or have to work at a church to share those things. God has given you an amazing story to share with people and point to his riches. And so the first way that that this plan is is accomplished is that we get to make him known through telling, through preaching, through proclaiming him about the amazing riches of Christ. But the second way is that through the church we live as the church. These aren't just things that we do, but this is who we are. This is who God has made us in. So let's live out our new identity in Christ. So in John 13, 35, it says this. A new commandment I give you. This is Jesus talking that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people, everyone, will know that you're my disciples. You're the people that are following me if you love one another. God's goodness are seen through this diverse community of people. The church. We are God's sermon on display. We are his message that is seen. And this happens as we live out that new identity in Christ. God did not suffer and die just so that we can meet on Sunday mornings. Right? The world isn't primarily going to see of our love for one another because we sing some songs and hear a message for an hour on a Sunday morning. But they will see it by us being the community that God has made us to be, a family. And this is why I think city groups are so amazing because it's it's us saying, hey, let's start to live out this family that God has made us to be. And let's actually even invite other people that aren't a part of this, that don't know Jesus, into this so that they can see, hey, we are different. By the grace of God, we are different than the world And this is how we love each other. And this is how we'd like to love you. Come, please see, see how, what this looks like. And I see this. I've seen this in my city group and I've seen this in our church, that we really care about each other. I've I've seen a couple open up their home to some others that are in a really tough situation. And was it inconvenient for them? Yeah. This is the family of God. My wife, Christy, and I, We our our washing machine broke down and at that time we didn't really have a lot of cash. And so we're looking for something used, and I just get a text from a friend and just said, Hey, so that you're looking for a used washing machine, I'd like to take you to Lowe's and buy you a brand new one. That's God's family. I've seen people that go into the prisons to share the gospel with people there. I've seen people volunteer time. Thursday mornings and time outside of Thursday mornings to work with refugees and to help teach them English and invite them into their lives. I see this in our church. We have young people in college. We have married. We have grandparents. We have empty nesters. And we have some people that, that hey, they're doing really well financially and some other people that aren't. I've seen this, seen it, that, that we're, we're white, we're black, we're Latino, we're Asian, and we all come together. To encourage, confess, serve, and bear each other's burdens. As his family is, to be like, yeah, hey, we're a cat, we're messed up. But man, I love you. I'm here for you. I want to walk alongside of you, and this world is falling apart. But God is uniting all things to him through Jesus. And we start to see that unity through. Us, through his people, the church. And if you have a plan, you see the wisdom of that plan in the fact that it works, right? And we show the wisdom of God by showing the world that the church is working. Sure, imperfectly, yeah. But that it is working, that the death of Christ is not in vain. It has reconciled us to God. It has reconciled us to each other because our ethnicity, our how much money we have, our age, those are not the things that define us. Jesus and His grace define us. Yeah. That is who we are. We are the saved people of God and He has broken down this wall of hostility between all of those other things and it has produced one new body a people and it has given us hope of the immeasurable kindness of God. And we show the wisdom to this world, to, to cosmic powers, to angels, to demons, by being the church that Christ died to create. The point isn't us. The point is Jesus, the one that we are actually pointing to. And so we, we do tell others. We share it. And we show it through our actions. That's how we accomplish this mission of God. It's not just one or the other. It's both and. We're both telling people about Jesus, and we're both showing it by that of how we love each other. Now, I'll be honest with you. When I read this, of like, oh, this is God's plan. This is His strategy. Us. I think, ooh. I don't know if that sounds like the best plan, God. Have you got, got something else? Because... I'm just, again, I'm just being honest with you. I think of even myself and, and just the different experiences that I've had with church. It's like, man, we don't always get it right. Right? I mean, we, many times we we are hypocrites. I, many times I'm a hypocrite. I mean, you, maybe you yourself or or you know somebody. It's like, hey, why don't you believe in Jesus? Well, you, they don't believe in Jesus because of the church. And honestly, you're like, yeah, I can't blame you. But also at the same time, it's like, That's the grace of God. Right? Again, it's not about us being awesome. Even if we live this out perfectly, guess what? We're still not as awesome as God. And so we're really pointing to Him. But I do want want us to talk about hey, what are some of the struggles that we face? What are some of these hindrances that that, that we face in, in wanting to share about Jesus and share the gospel and also live it out? And one of the ways I think that we, we really struggle with this, especially to share Jesus with others and proclaim who he is, is because we don't think that we'll share it well enough. Right? It's kind of this idea of like, man, I'm not really sure what I'm going to say. Is it going to sound good enough? I, I want to make sure that I, I share it perfectly. One thing I want to encourage you is like, well, hey, if you're not really sure how to share the gospel, then find out. Right? Ask somebody. Look up. There's, there's tons of different resources For you to learn how to better articulate The message of Christ Right? If you want something bad enough You will figure it out So don't let that be an excuse of You just aren't sure how to do it But at the same time Nobody's going to be saved Because of your well presented presentation They're going to be saved Because Jesus saves He's the one that draws us He is the one doing the work It is totally by his power And so hey Hey just know, hey, what am I supposed to do? Supposed to do is just through the power of God, I'm going to share this by His grace, and I don't know if it's going to be perfect. But guess what? God's going to use it because He's awesome. And so that's okay if you don't really know how to share it perfectly. Another reason, and I just want to be honest with you: this is probably the biggest reason that that hinders me from really sharing Jesus with others is because I just don't think they need Him that. I mean, on Friday night, my wife and I are praying and there's some people that were coming to my mind and I'm just thinking, why don't I talk to them about Jesus? I don't really think that they know him. I hope they do, but I'm pretty doubtful because I just don't think they need him that bad. Which is weird because it's like, man, have I forgotten really how bad I need Jesus? I need him so desperately, so huge to save me. Because I look at their lives and I think, well, hey, you know, they they have a nice job. I mean, it's not like they're just snorting cocaine or anything like that. You know, they they seem like pretty good people. How badly do they really need Jesus? But the fact is, is outside of Jesus Christ, there is no hope. They desperately need Jesus, just like I desperately need Jesus. I would not know Jesus if somebody hadn't told me about. And it says this in Romans 10, it says, how will they believe unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone preaches and shares with them about Jesus? The last reason we don't share Jesus with others or live out this calling, I think is because it'll cost us. Right? It makes us feel uncomfortable. What, what if, I, if I talk to somebody about it, what are they going to think of me? Well, they just think I'm some like weird Jesus person. Well, look at Paul. In verse 1 and verse 13, Paul is writing this letter from prison because he was preaching the gospel. And so, yeah, he had to get uncomfortable. He had to suffer for Christ because for Paul, the most important thing wasn't being comfortable or it wasn't what people thought about him. It was Jesus Christ, the mission of the king. And to think for you and I, why should we be willing to be uncomfortable to share Jesus with others? Is because Jesus got really uncomfortable for us. He suffered for me. He suffered in place of me.